Hi, this is Nancy Norton, and you're listening to Traumedy, the podcast that helps you take your pain and play with it. I'm a former nurse. I got out of nursing for the same reason a lot of people get into it, to save lives. I heal with humor now. I'm a comedian and a speaker about the power of humor. On Traumedy, we talk about some very sad, scary, and dark subjects sometimes, but we lift them into the light with laughter. Traumedy is not a replacement for trauma therapy, but it may help you get by between sessions. This is peer-to-peer sharing. We learn from each other. I'm learning so much, and I want to thank each and every one of my guests and my listeners who often become guests. I hope this podcast is helping you heal at least half as much as it's helping me. Trigger warning, this episode has content related to suicide. Calling Matt Vogel. Yo. What do you say? You want to do it? Let's do it. And I'm so excited because I I love that I have no idea what we're gonna really what we're really gonna talk about. It's just gonna be we're just gonna have a conversation. <laughs> this is a conversation of peer to peer sharing. That's what I call it. That's what I Let's call it. Okay. Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is Matt Vogel a comedian, a speaker, and a mental health advocate. Although I feel like I should have said that first. A mental health advocate who happens to be a comedian and a speaker. Hi, Matt. Well, (laughs) hi. It's great to be on your podcast. And I don't think I or anyone else will care about the order that you listed those things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I so you and I met uh, doing comedy in, was it in the the 90s, right? Yeah, I think it would have been late 90s. That's amazing. 90, 97, 98, something like that. And you, know, you it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. Here it is. 23. And That's you like 60 years ago. And I'm still doing a joke that you gave me. I was just telling you, <laughs> I just told you the other day, I don't always do it these days, but once in a while, um, which is half, it's based on a true story. The bit that did you and I both read the same article in the newspaper about a guy that no, I, I think, I think you were doing the bit and then, and then you just had this tag that you, that you handed me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, it's a sad story about a guy that accidentally cuts off his hand while he's doing some remodeling, but then decides (laughs) to take himself out with a nail gun spontaneously (laughs) and shoots himself in the head 19 times. And well, and my little joke was, Oh, you'd think they're, you know, they're finishing nails. They should do the job. And then, and then the sad part was, you know, how you make your troubles worse. Yeah. They got his hand back on, but they could not get all the nails out. And that's when you gave me this line. You got, should I say it? Yeah. It's, it's your joke. It's, now it's mine. <laughs> he, it was, they couldn't get him out or was it just a really tired on-call doctor who hammered him in and puttied him over? <laughs> Folks. I, I love it. And and I almost as much as I love the fact that he did 19. Oh, I know. The... Talk about it. Because my, my mom raised, you know, nine quitters. And <laughs> I would have I given up after two. But that's, <laughs> that's kind of amazing. I know. And I know when I first saw that, I thought it was so sad. And then it just started growing. It started making me. And then I started imagining myself as the nurse. So I tell it as if I am the triage nurse that takes the hand in the baggie. And then... You know, I did get written up for laughing um, when I was in nursing school 
and it wasn't right in front of the patient. I mean, it was back when we were doing our after clinical discussions and I just, I, I was making jokes because I was so stressed out and there, anyway, I got written up, but now I talk about why we, we absolutely need to laugh about seeing something like a hand in a baggie coming at you right. and a guy with 19 nails in his head. And uh, this guy, yeah, I do that. I'll, I might even play the bit here because it is so much longer. And it, I do, I do talk about his perseverance, which is quite admirable. You're right. Imagine, imagine his head looked like a pin cushion or something when he, when he came walking in. Oh yeah. And Deacon uh, Gray gave me the line. Um, you can't go to the ER with nails half in, half out. People put notes on them. <laughs> Lost kitten, you know. Um, so that's yeah, awesome. this was I. Lo- this is what I love about our Denver comedy community. That's other cities aren't like this. In fact, I have given tags to people, and they look at me with disdain. Like, how dare you? Oh my you? god! Oh my god! That happened to me not too long ago. Um, I won't say who it was, but there was somebody in the comedy work screen room, and. And I, I give, I don't even remember what the joke was. I gave him what I thought was a very funny tag. And it was not like, oh, you should do this. It was just like, hey, if you want, um, have you thought about whatever? And, and yeah, I mean, I just got like <gasps> these daggers. Like, how dare you? Oh, gosh. You know? Yeah. It's, it's I like, know. It's, I... it's like you, you suggesting, you know, the way that I should cut my baby's hair or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which I yeah. do have a couple of ideas. Um, I think a mullet uh, right now on a baby yeah. would be so fantastic. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like I love it. Like h- half my half my act was written by other comics giving me tags. So it's I it's, it's the great. best part of it is co creativity. But yeah, not yeah. not all comedians are like this. And certainly, I think when I first started, there was sort of a you know when you're doing a painting, you don't want someone over your shoulder telling you, you know that tree would look better with a little leaf. So I think there is when they're when we're new or we're like trying to find our own voice that gets a little crunchy. But man. Hey, at this point, anybody have any tags? Bring them with old right. Nance. I write my whole act. Yeah. I'm ha- I'm happy for someone to write my bits. I'll I love I love entertaining. So I mean, I'm sorry, but thir- thirty seconds is thirty seconds. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, thirty seconds. Yep, that's that's how we break up our act. Well, Matt, yeah. I mean, so I met you as a comedian, and then. I think I went off to Nepal to adopt my child and I was out of the scene for like a decade. And then I think when I got back from Nepal and then I barely did comedy when he was little, went through a whole trauma drama. And then I didn't see you for a long, 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 long time. Forever. Forever. So what happened? Tell me your journey or any part of it you want to share about being, how you got to be a mental health advocate I don't know. Well, I don't know this. I, I don't know about. I don't yeah. Know about so, so my my background is actually in public health. So, you know, I, I work in in healthcare, but I never had like the you know the stomach for direct practice because you know for all kinds of reasons. But um, uh, so public health just seemed like a, a great way to like be in the helping p- profession, but I didn't actually have to like come into contact with anybody. <laughs> Um, and, and, and really, and really like, let me be with that for just a second. Yeah. So you, so how you, first of all, you got drawn somehow, you had this affinity. You're like, I want to, I want to help the, my community. Yeah, I, I want to help. I want to, what, what was your, what was your uh, degree or what did you study or how did you well, end up there? So, so, so my undergrad degree was actually in, in philosophy, which makes you thoroughly unemployable. And, uh, and then I, I, <laughs> I got a job processing these forms at an insurance company and got fired from it, 
only job I've ever been fired from. And <laughs> congratulations, and, by the way. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And it, but it was like, I, it, I mean, it was just this idiotic, you know, entry level job at an insurance company. It was miserable. So I was just like making my own mischief. And then I got fired. And and when you get fired from like the only job you can possibly get, you know, it's you need to do some soul searching. So I, I went and I I thought, oh well, you know, I'll teach. My mom was a teacher and. And so I did this volunteer teaching thing through the Canadian government and I went to Winnipeg for a year and it was just, it was so brutally hard. And I was like, I don't know how anybody does this ever for, you know, for a living. Cause I was just like exhausted every single day. And, um, and so it, that's when I really started to think like, uh, you know, how can I sort of blend passion, but also not, you know, get into a profession that's going to burn me out in 30 days. And, and public health just really made sense for, you know, for all those reasons that, you know, you're working on on, st on issues at a population level, not on an individual level. And so I thought, well, th this will enable me to have, you know, staying power, basically. And and so I, I went to work um, in Colorado, I moved from, from Minneapolis at that point, and um, I'm, I'm making this way too long. But um, that's OK. I'll, I'll cut it all out. Oh, good. Yeah, just actually cut all of it. Um, well, like I say, this is peer-to-peer -peer sharing, and I think it's interesting to hear the journey and sort of that winding road. I always say all roads lead to you, so I like hearing it. So yeah, I, I didn't yeah. know that you had lived in Minneapolis, and then, okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so so when I was working in public, uh, I was working for this program, this really cool program that does nurse home visits for first-time low-income moms. And I was helping set up that in, in different um, places across the country and, you know, mostly in very rural, poor counties um, and realized that in every single community where we put this program, the, the biggest gap was unmet mental health needs for these moms. Unmet, um, and, unmet mental health needs were the biggest, the biggest gap, the biggest like. That's... Hands down, hands down, you know, because because you could teach moms, you know, about, you know, attachment and bonding and reading their baby and, you know, and, and, you know, being a healthy mom and and all these things. But at the end of the day, if there is depression or anxiety present, you know, with a new mom, um, you're never going to like be able to overcome that unless you deal with it. And so, um, you know, a depressed mom isn't going to be able to build uh, attachment as effectively a depressed depressed mom isn't going to um have the patience. I, I'll uh, testify to that just from my own, yeah. my own, my own mother's experience and uh, <laughs> my experience with yeah. my mom. And then I don't, I had a lot of anxiety uh, at some points, but anyway. But it's, it's like, like those babies don't get held as much or, you know, don't get sung to as much or, or have as many books read to them, you know, cause it's just those little things become just exhausting when, when, when you are a mom and you're, you know, sort of, your self-esteem is gone and you're just doubting your ability. And, and, and so every, this program had these amazing outcomes, but it never could fully realize them because there weren't resources uh, to help these young women deal with their, with their mental health. So, so I really started to focus my public health career more on mental health. And, um, and, you know, that, that just it sort of led me uh, professionally on that, on that journey. But then at the same time, um, my own mental health went down the tubes, and um, I have bipolar disorder, which I, I had suspected for a long period of time, but had never had never properly dealt with it. And so it was mostly just you know, drugs and alcohol, like you know, the story you hear so much. And and comedy was um, kind of the the worst possible place for me at that time, you know, because I, I I just 
it, it, it was so easy to just access all the stuff that um, were were counterproductive. And so I was I was just using a lot and and then, you know, short on sleep and, you know, everything that goes along with this, you know, amazing and really hard um, thing that we do. And yeah. so, yeah. And, and so I, I made a suicide attempt about 21 years ago. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah. And, uh, um, was, was quite close. And, and so, um, when I decided to, to get help and deal with it, I, I found that it was really hard to do that and, and to continue comedy. And, and I made sort of this abrupt decision one night, I was working at a comedy work South club and, um, I was working, uh, there were like three shows with, with, uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, before he did his first late show. And, and they were just amazing shows. They were, you know, he was so nice. The, the audience was just, you know, super hot and sold out on every, on every show. It was, it was great. And I decided when I was driving home, I, there was like an accident on I-25 and I thought, you know, sitting in traffic and I just thought, you know, I'm going to do the thing that is hardest of all for comics to do. And that's go off stage on the high note. And, oh. and, and and, and just and do that. And so I decided right then and there at like two in the morning on I-25 in a traffic jam that I'm done and I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. I'm going to, I'm just going to quit. And, and I did. And, you know, Wendy down at, at uh, Comedy Works tried to talk me out of it. And, you know, and she said, you should just, you know, just cut back to like once a month or something. So you keep your, your chops going. And I said, no. And, and in hindsight, I, I think she was right. But I, so I just completely walked away from it. And, and I didn't know if it was going to be a permanent thing or a temporary thing, but, um, but it was, you know, 11 or so years, uh, that I was away. And, and for probably the first nine of those, I didn't step foot in a comedy club. Um, I mean, there were a couple of comedians funerals, um, that I went to. Oh, I know. Uh, I, that's yeah. where I think I yeah. saw you the next time. Yeah, it was prob- probably at yeah. or something. But, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and it, you know, I think it's one of those things that there was no other, it was the right choice because there really wasn't any other choice. Um, and so while I, well, it was hard to be away from something that we all love so much, um, you know, in, in comedy and, and it really felt like it just left this big hole in me. It was the right thing because I, you know, I, I would have died had I continued doing it. And as I'm, as I'm now coming back, I'm realizing that being away gave me, um, uh, a, a perspective on things that I didn't have before. So, so, you know, it's, it, yeah, it was hard being away, but, um, it was, uh, it, it was, it's good to be back. So you came back with almost a whole new perspective. It, yeah. It's a long time because a lot happens in 11 years. I mean, you know, societally, uh, you know, things like, you know, black lives matter and, and the me too movement happened. And so what was, when I came back into comedy, what was acceptable and ex- and expected was completely different. Oh yeah, it just changed so much. Oh yeah, and that was you know, that, I, that would be a little bit of a culture shock. I had changed, you know, and so, um, you know, ten a lot happens in ten years, and so I had I had, you know, gotten divorced and remarried, had another kid, um, had just kind of moved along in my day job, career, and um, you know, and and you, you just ten years goes by and you see things differently, and so. So coming back was was a lot harder than I thought it might be, and 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 part of it was you know like I was talking with Josh Blue and 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 he had been trying to get me to come back for a while, and I kept saying no, and 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 he said, "Aren't you curious to know if you can still do it?" 
and and really that's what it you know it was like a, a typical like hey i dare you <laughs> um and and so and so yeah I, I, that's the bait that i ultimately took uh was just i, I just want i want to see if i can still connect with the crowd and so you know i i went um and you know he gave me just a you know a guest set um in front of him and you know i hadn't I was I was rusty and my timing was gone and you know like everything but but it was a blast and then I got laughs and I was like oh yep now the now the heroin just went back into my veins and, <laughs> yep and now and here I am so yeah and now well I'm assuming and I don't want to assume but that you have some sort of healthy medication for bipolar or or do you just know how to deal with it differently now or i don't know i don't I, you don't have to say if you don't want to i was just curious if there's oh, another variable well, that makes it yeah I'm, you know we're i'm a comic we're open books right yeah so it, it took me a long time to find you know kind of the right diagnosis and the right medication um diagnosing bipolar is, is sometimes a challenge because you know there's not like a test for it. You have to involve a lot of like, you know, interview about family history and stuff. And, and it truly was like, after having been on wrong medications for a long time, that really made things worse. When I got on this drug that I'm on now, Lamictal, um, also called the Motrogen, it, it was like a week and a half after taking it. It was like, you hear people talk about kind of the light switch moment where all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, everything I thought was black is white and, and, and vice versa. Like I, I just, I got this sort of this clarity and, and it helped me start, you know, getting my sleep under control. It was great. And then I got on another drug, Seroquel, which it was effective at helping, you know, to kind of amplify the, the part of the drug that deals with the depression and making that more effective. But it also just, it, it's, it's associated with unbelievable weight gain. And so then that happened and, um, you know, which then made me more depressed and, um, but, but overall, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, uh, has just been a life-saving drug for me. Oh, thanks for sharing that. I, I think it's great that maybe someone will hear this and know there's something that might help because I just know bipolar and I know there's different kinds of bipolar and everything, but I, I think that some of the comics, that we have lost that's because of bipolar disorder is it called yeah. a disorder or what is it called yeah they i mean yeah it's a disorder i mean you know they used to call it manic depression and now it's bipolar um uh sometimes called bipolar depression um but but yeah and you know it, 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 for the longest time the only way to, to treat it was they gave everybody like really high doses of lithium which made people you know just feel like dull and numb and emotionless and and it led many people to go off of it because they said well you know yeah i'm not thinking about suicide all the time but i also don't like feeling like a zombie so they would go off of the drug and then you know that's when bad things happen and, and lithium is one of those drugs that we've um people have learned how to use it better now they realize that you know in many cases less is more rather than these high doses you know that and using it just tiny amounts of it you know to help uh people to improve the effectiveness of, of other drugs that they're already on are there any other things that are common knowledge like dietary exercise i don't know and then of course oh, yeah. i want to get to the uh humor part too i don't know if dramedy is something that like doing comedy oh, totally. and expressing this in a comedic way but before we get to the dramedy i'm just curious to know i mean just for my mental health i know i mean just basics you know what i get you know enough sleep get some exercise. I love to eat sort of low on the food chain and clean or diet. Um, for me, I feel better, but that's me. I don't know. Are there, yeah, yeah. Are there common I mean, things like that? Or I don't know. Is there totally. anything that triggers 
Like how about sugar? I don't know. With, I have ADHD and I try to I watch the sugar. I don't know. Is there anything else like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, just in general, um, like, you know, good nutrition, exercise and sleep with, with sleep probably being, you know, the most important and unfortunately for people with bipolar, the most often neglected. And so, you know, it's, you know, sleep can do as much for your, um, for your mental health as, as medication can. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. It's huge. And so now I haven't seen your act in a long time. So I'm curious, are you doing any, I call it, you know, traumedy about your, about your mental health or other things? Like, uh, are there any bits that you, that come to mind that you're doing that express some of your struggle? Yes. So, you know, one of the things that I think is cool about uh, how comedy has changed from when I was doing it before is, you know, before it was much more sort of like, you know, jokey joke. And now people are telling more stories. It's more personal. Um, and, and, you know, and w- with, you know, exceptions, um, of course, but, but I, I really like that aspect of it. And, and I've been trying to, um, I, I didn't want to do anything that I had done before. So, you know, I, I said, I'm going to only do new stuff, you know, because I mean, anybody who's still doing a joke, like from, you know, the nineties is, is really lame. Oh, do you see what I did there? I, I felt did? it. Oh, you, the you, shame, you, the shame. You see what I did? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you no. know, but then again, if it's such an hey. awesome joke that transcends right. time, maybe right. you can, and you add nuance to it and bring it well uh, into the I, 21st I, century. Yeah. The, 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 the first time I middled when I was coming back and had to do 30 minutes, Josh, Josh was like, Hey, you know, come to Louisville with me and, and, and middle. And I had just been, you know, coming back to comedy works and doing like open mic nights and stuff. And, and he said, you know, do you have 30 minutes? I said, Oh yeah, of course. Cause that's what we all say. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, answer, the answer is always like, do you, can you do two hours? And I'm like, yeah. And then you hang up the phone. You're like, fuck, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, so I said, yeah, no problem. And then, and then we were on stage and I hit like 22 minutes and I was totally out. <laughs> and so, so I was like, all right, well, it's time to go back to the old. <laughs> and just as much old stuff as I could remember. But uh, yeah, so, so trying to be more, more personal, I, I've done some stuff around um, uh, just kind of mental health, uh, you know, more broadly around my bipolar, um, but also just about a lot of painful things in my life, like my mother's, uh, Alzheimer's and, you know, and, and, and doing stuff about that. My, I've really struggled with getting weight off and, you know, probably my biggest struggle for the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, and I've been successful in that, but, you know, it was, it was really a brutal emotional, um, thing. And so I've been talking a lot about that. And then I, I, I really, in, in one of the jokes that I'm doing, um, uh, actually about, uh, hemorrhoids, um, which is also a true bit, um, Wait, did you just I, say, did you say hemorrhoids? I, I did say hemorrhoids. Oh, okay. Um, I just want to make sure I understood yeah. you. No, I, I had to have hemorrhoids surgically removed like two years ago and it was the worst, absolutely the worst thing I've ever gone through. And Ow. talk about like a wake up call for your health. Um, yeah. Having like, yeah, have, you know, your ass operated on and this, the recovery is unbelievable. But, but there's a part in there, which is true that, um, during, you know, like three days after it, I, I became very suicidal just because the pain was so bad. And I, you know, I wouldn't take so painkillers. Oh, you, yeah, because you, what, you didn't want to get addicted to painkillers? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, because I have that kind of personality. And, you know, so, so recovering from, you know, this major surgery, um, you know, and just like Advil, was, it was brutal. And, and so I became very suicidal for all kinds of reasons. I, I thought, I, I need to end this again. And, oh and so, going on stage, um, 
I I turned to that part of it. I, you know, I talked about that I got suicidal, but um, and I and I I I had a I have a joke there, um, and I really struggled a lot with that. Like, okay, wait, I'm I'm a mental health advocate. I, I you know I have a TED talk on this stuff. I you know you know spoken globally on mental health, and now I'm in my act. I'm going to do a job or a joke about suicide. I mean, I've done suicide prevention trainings, like you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. And I really struggle with that. And I talked to a lot of people about it. And I thought about, you know, like, you know, is this is this hurting people? Am, am I sort of, you know, going against what we, how we approach stand-up comedy, which is like, you know, hey, you know, if you if you try to avoid anything that might offend any person in the audience, um, you know, you, you're not going to be able, you're not going to have an act. And so, so I decided to keep the joke in, and um, it, you know, in part because it, you know, it's it's a very funny joke. It always gets a big laugh. And and for a while I was feeling you know guilty about it. And there there was one time when I could see somebody in like the the first you know row or two um, who very clearly like winced when I said it. And I was like, oh wow, there's there's suicide in their family. And, yeah. And I and I and I just hurt this person. And that's not why we do this. And and yet I I you know I talked to a number of people and, and continued to do that joke. We've always said we we've, we've been trained as comics that like you can't just cater to the one person in the room. And other people have said, no, I'm actually glad you you do that joke because, you know, the reason that people take their lives is because it's not okay to talk about suicide. Um, and so, you know, the more that people say the word and whatever. So so I, I guess a long-winded way of saying that, yes, I, I do talk about those things and I, and I struggle with it. But the gist of it is that, you know, I, I went out into the garage um, uh, to kill myself and I, and I got into the car and I started it up and uh, I sat there and then nine hours later, I was like, oh shit, why do I have a Tesla? Um, yeah, you know, because there's no emissions, and and it always gets a big laugh, and you know, and it, it, so, but yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I I struggle with it, and and I and I think for any of us, I mean, you look at like you know Gary Goleman. I think um, it's a great you know, bit. I I mean, who who used to do that bit about try to kill themselves in the garage with their car, and then it was a parking garage. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't, and, to and me, you know, it doesn't, Gary, that feels like, oh, sorry, you're, go ahead. You have something about no, Gary Goldman? No, but, yeah, well, like, like, he did the thing about, um, you know, he wanted to kill himself, but um, he didn't want to write an essay. There, there's no, like, one right or wrong answer on, like, should I do this particular bit? There, there, I mean, there are some absolutes, right? You know, yeah. Like, like, you know, saying N-word or something like that. But but for the most part, there's there aren't absolutes. And, and, and I think what's important is that we make a thoughtful, decision you know and say you know at least it's well thought out um and and i've decided to do it and i've decided to do it for these reasons and it's not like there's sort of any you know holiness to it or anything it, you know it's just telling a funny joke that gets a laugh and you know it's like i wrestle with it yeah do you ever drop in afterwards because i i drop in on stuff and i used to on that bit about the guy you know i'm like you know because i've i get really like i do get very concerned like okay just just know that uh you know, he's not successful when he starts to shoot himself in the head with a nail gun. I don't know why. I need to take care of people. And also, like, I do a joke about adoption. You know, my son's adopted, or as he says, I bought him. Yeah. Now, I do it like he says that because that empowers him. But I also say, I'm just, I am this kind of person. I can't, I just can't stand it if I have wounded an adoptee in the audience or an adoptive parent. So I'm like, hey, if you're an adoptee or an adoptive parent, just know uh, it's a journey of love, although I did have a Groupon. I mean, it's like <laughs> I kind of do this back and forth, and I go, and then I actually drop in and really, like, I, I mean, I love talking about how much I love my son, and he changed my life, and 
So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm too uh, sentimental or something, but I, I will kind of, I'll do the bit, but then I'll, and then I'll do a, a little follow-up like, Hey, just so you know, yeah. I, and I used to say I, it, even with that nail gun thing, I go, it just, please remember it always gets better or something like that. I'll throw that in there just, yeah, just yeah. to acknowledge this is real. I, I just get, maybe I get too real. That's always been my thing is getting a little, a little too real. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not even sure I'm doing stand-up comedy. I've always wondered that myself. Like, what am I doing? Is this even stand-up comedy that I do? <laughs> but that, but that, that, that's why it's it's so great is that, you know, um, it's not defined for us. We, we define it. We define it when we walk out on stage, you know, and, and we make the choices. And, and you know, and then the audience tells us if those were good choices or not, right? And so, that, like, like, just very recently, I, I went out and I, I – I have a long bit about um, trying to lose weight and being unsuccessful. And so I, I, I was planning to do that, but, you know, and, you know, we always say, okay, you know, here's what I'm going to do for my 10 minutes or whatever tonight. And I walk out and right as I go out, um, there's two people in the very front row who are morbidly obese and I like, like probably, you know, 400 pounds easily. Um, and, and it was like, wow, like I am going to be looking them in the face and everybody else can see them, you know, because they're in the front row. And um, and so, it, like, and it was just this, like, split second, you know, because you don't have time to really think about it. It's like, am I committed to this material or not? And and can I do this in a way that I hope is not going to inflict pain? Um, or also hope that, you know, the rest of the crowd doesn't, you know, look at me as like, you asshole. Like, like you know, how could you do this? And, and, I, and I did the bit. Um, and it worked. Uh, you know, I had to be like more careful and sort of coaxing about it. Um, and, and they actually came up to me afterwards and thanked me and said, uh, you described our journey and our struggles with weight. And we really felt heard and we felt understood because you were talking so openly about it. And thank you for that. And I, and I was like, holy shit, you know, because when I saw them walking up to me, I was like, oh God, you know. I, I totally screwed this up and I have just ruined some lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's beautiful. Those, are the, ones, those Th are the ones you see, but you know, you walk out there, yeah. you don't know how many people are out there adopted or how many people might be sitting in the crowd that have, you know, fired Absol 19 nails into their skull. <laughs> and, and I always do. Them. Like I used to, I mean, that bit used to be a, such a long chunk. I mean, I used to add all kinds of parts about, you know, people, you know, anybody out there clapping with one hand or whatever. I love um, the surprise of my dry bar comedy special. I, you know, that's my style is to ma mainly talk about my own stuff. And I talk about the adoption and codependency and alcoholism in my family and my lazy eye. And it's like, those are the comments. Like the comments I get in the, in the feed on the YouTube clips are just I also have this, I also have that, or I got this beautiful long email from somebody up in Plattsburgh, New York, who said, I can't believe you talked. I've, I never hardly laugh at comedians and I laughed so hard tonight. Cause you just, I felt so seen with my codependency yeah. and this and that. So isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's, that's to me, it makes, I guess it's my age or, or I mean, it's beautiful at any age, but I think right now I would rather connect with a, a handful of people on a very deep level and I've got enough material that I can crowd please on the rest of it. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. I mean, to me, those people that are super touched and feel known and celebrated, that just makes my day and my week or sometimes the whole, my whole life, you know, just 
we can yeah. that's why I want that's why I'm doing this podcast I'm hearing from you know a handful of people that this is making a difference and I mean that feels that feels important it is it really is I'm excited that you're doing I can't wait to see you you're doing a show tonight I don't know that I'm gonna get back I I did like seven shows in the last four four days and I'm like I think I'm gonna stay well, home tonight but I sort of want to come should. I want to come see you but I but anyway um well yeah. You know, when when I when I quit again, then you just, you'll only have to wait ten years, and then I'll be back. So, <laughs> okay. because um, that's how I roll. Yeah. Oh man, I'll be and I will be rolling. You know, on some on a walker. <laughs> at that point, I have to admit, sometimes I if I see a lot of you know, I used to do this joke. I used to open with this joke about you know, uh, flying to Florida. Like yeah, yeah, y'all look very young. Of course, last week I was in Florida. And then talk, and this literally happened one time I was on a flight to Miami and it did look like, I mean, I didn't see one person who did not have white hair. Uh, I mean, who didn't, who yeah, did not have white hair. I think I said it right. But anyway, point is, I used to like, you know, if anyone needs a little extra time pre-boarding, maybe come to our gate now. And then I would do this joke about the Walker fights, like (laughs) the Walker fights, (laughs) get back. Tennis balls are flying. I don't know. So if I see walkers sometimes... I don't know. Either I include them and I'm like, ah, I bet you've been in a Walker fight or, you know, I don't know. I get a little nervous too. If you see, because I think it is the difference of not just them being there, but them being seen there. And that feels like you're punching down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, that's part of the, the, you know, the function of age I was talking about, you know, in growing older is, is I think for the most part, people get, you know, we, we do. We, we, we grow up in some ways and, and you become a little bit more, you know, um, sensitive to like, am I, you know, how is this landing? Whereas when you're, when you're younger and you're first starting out, the only, the only yardstick is, are they laughing or not? And, and so it's like, yeah, if they're laughing, then I don't give a fuck if I hurt feelings. Like, like, you know, that, yeah. that, that's, that's how we all are when we're young and you want to be like edgy and, you know, um, and, you know, and, and if you, if you offend some people, well, good, then it tells you you're dancing right up against that line, you know, where you should be. And, um, and, 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 it, and I don't think that it's that we get soft as we get older, but I, I do think that, you know, cause I, there's, there's still plenty of things in my act that, you know, you could pick apart and say, well, that's, you know, really insensitive or whatever. But, but I think that it, they're more thoughtful, deliberate decisions than they were before, at least for me. Yeah. I, I relate to that. I want to hear about your speaking. What, where do you speak and how do you, what are you speaking on? So I speak um, like all over, but, you know, it used to be that, you know, more like, you know, fundraisers and, um, and stuff like that for mental health type organizations. You know, there's been so much effort put into reducing the stigma around mental health in the last you know decade or two. And, and that has been very successful. I mean, the stigma still exists, but nothing like it used to. And so as a result, and, and I think that the pandemic um, uh, magnified this, that everybody really became, you know, sort of, you know, keenly aware of um, the, the role that mental health and mental illness is playing in everybody's lives and, and on a societal level as well. And so now it's, you know, to say, you know, in a crass way, uh, mental health is hot. Like everybody wants to talk about it. So I'm, I'm getting, you know, talks, um, like like I just booked for the American Legal Administrators uh, National Conference, so like people who run law offices, uh, a convention for uh, web designers and for and one for uh, for video game 
uh, programmers. Uh, I did the uh, the National American Craft Spirits Association, so you know craft distillers. So every industry has been impacted in really unique, different ways. Um, dentists and bartenders, and you know, kind of you name it. But people want to people want to talk about it. You know, it goes back to what we were saying just a minute ago that people want to be understood, they want to be heard, um, and they want to be validated. And so, so that's been really, really cool to just come in and say, okay, now there's these group of distillers that want to talk about their mental health. And, and so I'm going to spend a lot of time and, and I do um, put a lot of time into really understanding their industry and talking to people as I'm putting these talks together and stuff. So isn't um, that fun? I, <clears throat> I do the is. same thing. I, I do a ton of pre-event interviews. I love, and I, I'm this, I have a, whatever, all that spectrum of, of clients that you mentioned, I also apply the power of humor presentation to. And isn't it a blast to learn? Like, I mean, I didn't, like I learned about, I didn't know why India uh, pale ales, you know, I didn't understand why there's more hops in those, you know, because of the way they had to get transported across the ocean and it was a preservative. And I mean, I love learning all these things that we would never get an opportunity. It's, It's almost like, Back in the day in the 90s when we were out driving everywhere and like, when am I going to see, you know, when am I going to go to Boise, Idaho, really, you know, or these really random Beeville, Texas. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just amazing to me or Iceland or when I was doing USO tours. So it's similar, isn't it, where we get to research these different industries and learn the the background on them? Totally. I mean, like, like, you know, as as a traveling comic, I mean, you know, we all know that one of the you know easiest ways to get a laugh when you're on the road is to do local stuff because people are like oh my god they t- they took the time they looked at our newspaper they looked you know um, at, at whatever and so they're they're doing Omaha jokes and and it really is the same way you people are just so appreciative and grateful that like wow they you know they took the time and um, and and so I, I would much rather do that you know even though we could all still get booked and you know say okay here's me my four canned speeches that I do. And I just give the same thing everywhere. But um, for me, it's part, part intellectual curiosity and part just like, I want to, you know, I, I'm not doing this just for money. Like I really, you know, I want to have an impact. I want exactly. Um, yeah. I, I want the, I want this to mean something other than, Oh, I flew in and gave a talk and then left. Yeah. Um, and do you and, ever call, um, like I do about, I'll just say, I'll say three to five attendees. I ask them to connect me with three to five attendees that I just, do a phone interview with and ask them all the time, but then you can really put yourself in their shoes and imagine what it's like and apply your knowledge that you have and all the coping skills you have. And are you exactly, yeah. When you, when you're talking about mental health, where are you getting your um, information? I know you have this background that you've studied it. Do you have, do you know what I mean? Like, is there a certain angle to the mental health talk? Well, there, there is, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of multi, uh, multi factors, uh, I guess. Um, I, I talk a lot about my own story and I talk a lot about, you know, kind of the, the stigma when I was um, growing up, I, I had an uncle who um, had bi- bipolar, you know, manic depressive, but, but he, he was, we, we didn't know that as kids, you know, we, we just knew that he was, you know, weirdo uncle Jim who lived in, you know, in the twin cities and we never, we never saw him. He never, you know, my, my aunts were always invited to our house for holidays and we went and saw them and visited my cousins, but we never, he was never invited and we never went to his house. Um, he was, you know, we just, he was mocked. Um, mm. People made fun of him. And um, 
I didn't know any cousins on that side. My cousins from my from my aunts, but not from from his kids. I I, I never met them because he was never around because we never went to visit him and, and never invited him to our house. And and you know, my dad, you know, used to how he was batshit crazy. It was the first, you know, time I had ever heard that phrase. And, you know, that he you know, he belonged on the funny farm and the loony bin and you know, all, all of those things that people say. But I talk a lot about that and and about how as a kid, that's your education and what mental illness is. And 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 so what I learned, what was taught to me was if there's somebody that has this disease, you uh, the way you handle it is to avoid them, to not talk about them. Uh, when you do talk about them, to to make fun of them and mock them, keep them at arm's length, and and pretend like they don't exist. You know, it's, it's one just of heartbreaking to hear. I'm, I feel like I'm a, my heart hurts to hear it. You know, and I'm yeah, I'm wondering I mean, about your uncle, like what happened to him. Did did you ever connect with him? I know I'm never, distracting no. you from your thing, but I no no he, I no he, he died he died when I was young, and so I, there was never any opportunity for that. And I and I still don't know. I, I literally couldn't tell you his kids' names, um, you know, because there was just absolutely no connection there. And and so, but when I got diagnosed, and the, and I talk about this, um, it was such a significant moment when when the psychiatrist in Denver, um, Doris Gunderson, said you have bipolar disorder. I didn't hear that. The words that I heard were you you are batshit crazy. Oh man. And and that's that's what I heard, and that's how it landed. And and so you can imagine. The pain in that, getting that diagnosis, and I was like, "Oh fuck! Now, now I'm him. Yeah. I'm that guy." And 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 I, I know how how we treated him and how fucked up it was, and that's how people are going to treat me, and I'm going to be the one that's you know having those jokes made behind my back, and and that yeah, I mean that was that was brutal. So so I I talk a lot about my own story. I talk about my my near suicide, and then I I the second you know kind of component is to talk. Um, about the larger, um, you know, big picture, why our mental health system doesn't work and, wh- and why it, you know, certainly the people that, you know, get help in the system and are fortunate enough to be able to do that um, can get good care. But in general, the, you know, our system is failing to, to meet, failing massively to meet the demand uh, for services for all, for all kinds of reasons and talk about those. And then talk about how if we're going to fix this problem, it means um, all of us becoming that new mental health workforce and, and how do we care for one another better? How do we, oh, I love you know, that. How do, how, how do we formalize, you know, peer support? How do we, how do we take care of one another and, and of ourselves in such a way that it frees up those spots for in therapy and then, you know, with psychiatry for the people who really need that, that high level of care. And, you know, because it, it's, it's a supply and demand thing. And, and we always focus on like, how can we get more people to go into the field you know, get more people to become a psychiatrist, which, which approach it's never worked. It's unbelievably expensive and it don't, never solves the problem anytime there's been any workforce shortage, you know, like nursing, um, for example. And Oh, really? Um, I didn't know. I, I'm, yeah. I'm confused. I did not know this. So getting well, more people to go into that field doesn't help to have more therapists. I don't, this doesn't make sense no, no, to me. Am I, why am I no, so no. the last person to it, know? It, it's just not, it's not, not, a, not effective and, and, and it takes too long. So, so the, oh, you mean so to yes. fix something today? You're just right. saying, oh, if we get more therapists out there, it's not going to. Yeah, if we're going to let, yeah, if we're going to let Congress, you know, debate for three years about, you know, should we do student loan forgiveness for more psychiatrists to entice them into the field, and then they allocate, 
money into the next budget cycle. And then they, you know, $2 billion goes to health and human services or education. And they, they set up these programs and they start to administer them. And then it attracts more people into the field. And then, you know, 12 years later, we have, you know, a modest increase in the number of psychiatrists. I got gotcha. you. Also, let's, I'd like to give a shout out. I want to just interrupt for one second because yeah. as a nurse, um, some of the best health mental health providers are not always psychiatrists. And there are nurse practitioners who can prescribe. And like my son, we were able to find uh, for, you know, for, we we both have ADHD and for him to be able to just jump on a telehealth call with a nurse practitioner. Like there, I don't know. There's a part of me that I understand what you're saying, but I also feel like I want to just say, look, it doesn't have to be an eight year program to be an MD no, to help I, people. I totally, I totally. But I love the idea. It. And also I'm starting to feel like, oh, my God, am I supposed to not be going to see a therapist because I have no, mild to moderate depression sometimes or anxiety. Not, you know what no, I'm saying? No, not at all. I'm getting not into a de- let's debate. <laughs> no, it, it, I think you should. And and I think, you know, as with so many things, you know, what's important is to recognize your, your privilege and to be thankful for it. Oh know? my God. So, yes. Yeah, I'm, Absolutely. I'm really glad I, I can, I, that I have this access and, and that I can afford it and, or I have insurance or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And, and to recognize that, you know, most people don't. And, um, and, and so it, so it's okay, you know, because because you your giving up that slot doesn't solve the problem, and 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 that's you know sort of what I think too often we're led to believe. And so so I, in these talks, I really try to you know to focus on like you not not sitting back and waiting for you know for policymakers and the health profession to to solve this problem because um, it, it it's not going to happen if we do that. That you know there there really is a role to play for everybody. Just in, you know. And looking out for one another. Yeah, I really want to go back to that because I think I I got fixated on a couple of things there where I was like, wait, 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 I don't understand these two things you just said. But your your main point was really how do we help each other and I guess help fill in the gaps a little bit by knowing how to how like do you give advice on how how to help somebody if they're having a manic uh event or or do you do you go that far as to give like advice of how to help each other? Yes and no. I mean, you know, like, you know, how to help somebody when they're, you know, uh, manic, you, you connect them with, with somebody who can deliver that level of care. I mean, that, that's, that's not a, that's not a do it yourself job, but, but now how do you talk to them about it? How can you, you know, approach them with, with kindness? How can you, um, and empathy and you know, how can you, uh, uh, get them to let their guard down enough to, to allow you to connect them with care that I definitely talk about. And, and then, you know, and then there's the, the self-care, you know, and, you know, the, the, probably the best, you know, thing we can do for our mental health is free and 100% accessible and hardly anybody actually does it, which is meditation, you know, and, and if you can get people just yes. starting and, just yes. you know, just scratching the surface and just doing basic box breathing and stuff that everybody can learn and everybody can practice. Um, <sighs> yeah, I'm going to do and, some and, right and, now. <laughs> and, and it's it's free. It's like, you know, it's right there for everybody. But, yeah. So, so So talking about those things, but. And that's one of the things I talk about with humor. Humor is an antidepressant. Humor actually does boost your mood. It does stabilize things. It, it is a resource. It helps you touch in on a trauma without getting stuck there. I mean, just, yeah. to, just to throw back into the traumedy mix with a, a little bit here. And then the parasympathetic nervous system reset, like you said, the box breathing or the four, we, I call it four by four breathing. That's an amazing tool that I think people forget. Yeah. I forget. Personally, I forget it. it. It's like, Nancy, just stop and take a few deep breaths and hold it and it 
that can transform, get me out of a trigger for sure. And I don't know how yeah. that relates to long-term, but it's nice I mean, to interrupt, you know, something that I might act out on something, you know, either totally. reactivity and on, on myself or others, you know? Well, you know, one of my, one of my favorite stories, and I, I relate this a lot when I talk, I had heard this guy, there, there was a handful of people, um, uh, who have survived the jump off the Golden Gate Bridge? I mean, you know, like like I don't know, like less than thirty or something um, for you know since the bridge jump. You know, most people die instantly or they're swept out to sea or whatever. And um, this one of the guys who had survived that jump was talking at this fundraiser, and and he he was he was talking about the day that he jumped from the bridge, and he said when he was on the bus going down there on a you know beautiful Saturday, he said if. If one person asks if I'm okay, I won't do it. Wow. That gives me goosebumps. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, just wait. And and so he started walking, you know, back and forth on the bridge. And it was a you know, beautiful Saturday. It was, you know, packed with people. And he was realizing, you know, that he was going to jump soon. And he starts to cry. And his eyes are getting, like, red and puffy. And he's just walking on the bridge. And people would walk by. And they'd make eye contact with him. And then they would just keep walking. And nobody said anything to him. I mean, you're on the Golden Gate Bridge with, with a guy by himself who is crying, right? And nobody stopped. And finally, this woman stopped him, and she tapped him on the shoulder. And he turned around, and she she said, hey, will you take my picture? And she handed him her camera. And so he posed her, like, with the city in the background. And he, he said, I knew at that moment that nobody in the world gave a shit about me. So he handed her the camera and, and immediately leapt over the ledge. And... Wow. And when you think about that and, and what's, what's, you know, what's in there, he wasn't looking for a therapist. He wasn't looking for medication. He wasn't looking for somebody to take him to the emergency room. He was asking for one person to say, are you okay? Yeah. That's one person it. to say, That's I it. see you. Yeah. Are you, you look like you're in pain. Are you all right? That's yeah. all he wanted. That's all, That's he, all wanted. he needed to keep him from going over the ledge was just that one simple thing. Now, does that mean that, you know, that's that we can, you know, take care of, you know, serious mental illness and people with, you know, schizoaffective disorders and bipolar and stuff? Of course not. But for many, many people, that's all they need is, is just, be, you know, people, people don't, nobody wants to die. Like people who kill themselves, they don't want to be dead. Like, like death is not the intent of, of most suicides. They want to be you know, out of pain, right? They want to be out of pain. That's all it is. It's, it's <sighs> it, you know. Um, suicide is, is pain medication and, and you've, you, and I know this cause I was right there at, you know, and where you really come to believe that this pain will not end and there is nothing, there is no hope to solve it. And therefore I'm going to break the glass and, and, you know, take the, the option of last resort because I'm in so much pain. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people just want to like, you know, one little tiny bit of hope oh, one person cares about me, that can be enough sometimes. And, and, and not enough to, to cure it or to, you know, to treat it, but enough to, like, give somebody a pause for a minute to say, yeah, you know what, maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe maybe um, yeah. I, I, I can give some of these other things a try. And, and if somebody's listening out there, I mean, I know this is – an anonymous, I care about you. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, but that this is who we're doing this for. Uh, yeah, I mean, people who are isolated, 
people who, I mean, trauma is such an isolating thing and so many of our, and I know there are so many causes for, for depression and, and mental health crisis. It's not all trauma related, but I'm just saying, um, yeah. you know, and if, if you reach out, you know, let, let me know how I can help, you know, let, give us an, an, an email or send us a message and yeah, we, and, we are here. And, and, and more, more importantly, you know, if you're the person that, you know, doesn't have those things going on and you see somebody who's sitting at the end of the bar by themselves and, and they're just, you know, going up and say, Hey, I hope things are okay. Um, you know, no one's going to hit you. No one's going to, you're not going to push anybody over a ledge. Like, you know, um, just don't, we're so conditioned, you know, and, and, and I, 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 I hypocrite, we all are, right? You know, yeah. I can say that word again because in. your phone glitched out on the word. I think I, I know. I, I'm, I'm a hypocrite and, you know, we all are. And so yeah. I can walk, I can walk through downtown and, you know, and step over a homeless person on the sidewalk and keep walking because you say, well, you know, if I stopped for every single one, I'd never, you know, I'd never make it down the block. I was wanting to ask you about that because. I do struggle with, and I, I do ask higher power to kind of help me on those kind of things because yeah. I don't know when is the right time sometimes. Like, yeah, and, and, and some, I, I trust it. will go buy food and go back, but, but a lot of times, yeah, it's like, um, yeah. like I, you know, I, I can't deal with this now. I'm going to cross the street. And, and so, so I acknowledge the hypocrisy that I have and that to some extent we all do um, around these things. Um, yeah. But we've gone too far with it. And, you know, where, you know, we've conditioned ourselves to just sort of ignore everybody else's pain. And, and that's, that's kind of a dangerous place to be. And so, so if, if we can start to pull that back a little bit more and, and help, you know, just to, just to reach out and, you know, just, just check in with somebody um, and, you know, try to, try to add something to their life, even if it's just that. And trust your, um, you know, if they're, if they're getting a nudge, I'm really into these sensitive, I don't know, maybe I feel, I, I think people feel these. If you get a nudge, honor it. You know, if you get a nudge like, oh, but it, I don't know, because we kind of talk ourselves out of things sometimes. I always get kind of confused when I, I don't have, like I like when I have uh, stuff in my car that is easy to hand to somebody because I don't hand right. money usually, but I don't always travel with bananas, <laughs> and I don't think they always right. want. I don't yeah. think they always want bananas. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm but like sometimes I just around in my glove box sometimes like, I just oh, some wipes and a and a broken cell phone charger, <laughs> <laughs> <That's all I laughs> or the feeling of panic. Like I am really an anxious person. Is like I can't I can't make something happen in the time before this light changes. So I, but I right. often will smile and just do a peace sign. And I know that's probably to flash a peace. Yeah. <laughs> like, then they I, flash you back half a peace sign. <laughs> there, there was like, like, I mean, it was literally just like two weeks ago. Uh, there was a guy on uh, Colfax and I drove by and then the, you know, the light was red. And so I was like kind of right next to him. And, you know, he looked at me, um, you know, like, do you have anything? I was like, you know, just. I didn't say anything, but I drove away and I, and I felt guilty. So I, I went and stopped at, uh, at Subway and I bought uh, a sandwich and, and went back and to where he was. And I, you know, pulled up again, or I, I said, I said, Hey, uh, I went and got you a sandwich. And he goes, what kind? And I said, Turkey. And he goes, fuck Turkey. 
then the, the light changed. Um, and so I, I went home and ate the sandwich. I, like, wow. I had a similar thing happen when I. That's pretty funny though. Fucked her. I had, I was like meeting my niece and nephew on the on the beach uh, near like Los Angeles. One of the like. Maybe, I don't know, one of the beaches, doesn't matter. My son and I were on a 30-day camping trip, and I got really good at making dal She's from Nepal, you know, so it's like lentils and rice and, you know, potatoes, and I could do this all on my camping stove at a picnic table. And this guy, you know, comes up wanting a plate of food. I'm happy. I'm like, here, have a plate of food. And he was so annoyed that it was vegetarian. He was like, <laughs> oh, no meat? <laughs> I was like, uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. tricky. It is. I it's... mean, so, sometimes beggars literally can be choosers. <laughs> do you ever play this game like, and then what will happen? And then what will happen? You know, do you ever do yeah. that? Where I was driving totally, to, totally. yeah, when I used to be like, what, I'm so anxious, you know, I'm going through two trials with my sociopathic ex. I have a toddler. I'm a single mom. I'm, I'm working 12 hour shifts as a nurse. I'm trying to get out the door. And I, I literally feel like I might lose my mind. And my son, you know, they're slow. Toddlers, they are just slow. And I'm like, come on, get in the car. You know, like, what is it? And then what'll happen, Nancy, if you're late to work, I'm going to get written up. I'm going to get fired. And I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be under a bridge and no one yep. No one is going to bring me vegetarian chili. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that kind of would snap me out of like, because I was trying not to put that, all that horrible energy into my toddler who, I'm, you know, he's just having a beautiful day walking outside, yeah. looking at the leaf. There's a leaf. <laughs> Move. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh my God. I remember that just walking with my kids and you know, you're going down sidewalk and like you'd see like a, an inchworm or something. And you're just like, Oh, please God, don't let them see it. It's, it's going to be 15 fucking minutes down watching this inchworm. God, please don't let them see the wonder of everything. Like the, we yeah. don't have time for the wonder of the world right now. <laughs> I used to dress my son in like outfits for um, hiking just to keep him motivated. Like a hi I, he was a Viking with a sword and a, you know, I'd be like, I think there's a dragon around the next corner, you know, just to kind of keep him moving, man, because right, right. they wanted to sit down like it's a hike. Come on. Anyway, that's I mean, back to helping parents. I'm sorry, but single parenting. Oh, my God. And no one to just hand them to, you know, and it's like, oh, right. I, I love that you did that work with uh, moms that, you know, were probably either single moms or not empowered in a lot of ways that's that in, the big... in almost everywhere yeah gosh and to help that i mean that, that makes a difference in a whole generation with the kids that they were raising i bet you know that totally. if you get totally. raised like you said somebody read to you i never nobody read nobody read to me so i guess i'm bringing it full circle back to where we started but yeah. matt I am so grateful you're in the world and I'm so grateful you. you were not successful with your suicide attempt. Way to fail. That was a know, brilliant right? failure. <laughs> I'm so glad you failed at that. Yeah. My, my, my follow through has always been uh, suspect. I love your bit about it. It doesn't feel mean. It just, it feel it feels like a, a real traumedy, you know, when you drop in totally. and share that they know like, okay, this is his joke about his, struggle totally it's i think it's great to express it and it's not punching down at suicidal people it's just making fun of the fact that you you did not succeed parts of that whole experience um that i've written 
um, that have never like left my hard drive. Um, you know, and, and I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll try to do something with this someday, whether it's talk about it on stage or whatever, you know, but just, you know, like, like the whole experience of when, when I went to the gun store to buy a gun for the purpose of killing myself. And I mean, there, there's like pretty, you know, some, not at the time, but you know, I mean, there's, there is humor there where I was, yeah. you know, like, tell so, me. So one, I had never been, you know, in a gun store before, so I didn't know what to do. And so, you know, one, you, you go in there and, um, and they're like, w- what kind of gun do you want? And I'm like, I don't know, what's the cheapest gun? And so that yeah. raised all kinds of red flags. Like, yeah. All the like, red flags that the guy yeah. misses, right? Yeah. That they miss. And, and so then that one, and then I'm, I'm watching, it was crowded and I'm, I'm watching like the other people at the gun store, like, what are they doing? Cause, cause you know, they, they then handy this, the gun, they like open the cylinder to make sure, you know, show you it's not loaded or whatever. And then they hand it to you. And, um, and so you like, you know, you put it in your hand, you're like, I'm just trying to pretend like I know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh yeah, like those grips, you know? And, um, <laughs> yeah. Are you and, saying that stuff? <laughs> no. Yeah, totally. And, 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 you know, and then I look at the other people and they're all like, you know, holding it up as though they were going to shoot at a target or, you know, somebody and they're like aiming it at the wall or I think, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. I want, like, should I put it in my mouth? You know, and be like, mm, do, you, do you have the same thing with your snow nose? And, you know, and, and, and I was like, I was really afraid I was going to like hit one of my fillings. And, you know, and, um, and, and so I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. That'll, you know, uh, and so, so I'm like, yeah, all right. You know, I, I like pretended like I was, you know, shooting the intruder or something. And so I'm like, yeah, this is, this is fine. And then, he, and then he said, He's like, okay, do you need some ammo? And I said, yes. And and he said, well, you know, so do you want like a box of 50 or a box of 100? <laughs> and, I was, and, and I just want to be like, you know, there should be like a little, is there a little fish bowl on the counter where you can just, you know, buy one? Take a know? penny, leave a penny. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah like buy, Take buy a, bullet. a cigarette or something. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, uh, uh, just point being, um, I love it. I love this. I could, Oh my God, this, this is going to be a brilliant Um, bit. I mean, this is tromedy. This is it. I'm talking like you've got to, and I mean, that also goes back to the whole, you know, tying into the gun. I'm not saying we need new gun laws, but maybe, you know, based on this experience, I had a friend whose house was broken into and Kansas City and he well he's let's just say he's expressive let me leave this I I can't be this is this is not the 90s okay he told me the story in the 90s but he so this guy this big man like breaks into his house and he he goes help police (laughs) he's doing an impression of himself when he did this and he goes and then they just looked at him like "Ah." and then they just started coiling cords like around their his tv and microwave and just they just were like they were like a moving team they didn't move it they weren't even hustling they were just they were just going about their business of stealing all of his shit while he's at the top of the stairs going somebody help and and then he said after they left, he stayed up all night smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. And he goes, Nancy, I went to the gun shop as soon as they opened. And I was like, give me a gun that'll make a really big hole. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, and they sold it to me, Nancy. They sold it to me right then. And I was like, yeah. I mean, he was, I was out of my mind. He goes, I was jittering. I was shaking. Like, I looked like I was about to go kill someone. Give me a gun. And they gave it to him. And he tossed his salad plate at me. And he goes, it'll make a hole the size of this plate. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Danny. That was Danny. Uh, But that's what I'm talking about, gun laws, though. You know, like, this guy went in there out of his mind, and you were in there, like, clearly, like, I bet you, I bet you didn't look well. No, no, no. I, I, I was actually crying in the parking lot, and then I, and then I stopped crying. So I wasn't crying in the store, but, but you know, very clearly had been crying. I mean, it's like every, every warning sign was right there. Like a guy comes in, you know, he's got red eyes, um, asking for the cheapest gun, um, and just like, you know, how can we, how can we complete this transaction as fast as possible? I mean, you know. Like you don't have to be trained in anything to know. Like, yeah, you know what? This we should actually um, ask some questions here. Maybe, maybe try to sell this guy. You know, um, you know, a, a kayak paddle or something instead of a gun. But, <laughs> but, 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 did you end up buying a gun? Yeah. And you left, and then you got close. And I guess I want to know what helped you. What was it? Like, what was it that interrupted it? That what helped you? What saved your life? Uh, it was who saved my life? Who um, saved your life? Yeah. So it was uh, the woman who lived next door. She was 70 years old. She had gone through suicide prevention training. I said goodbye to my um, to my baby at the time, oh, um, knowing I... that I was, you know, saying goodbye to him for the last time and I was going to go home and do it. Um and uh, she was out gardening, and, and and so the whole way home, I'm just sobbing because I just said goodbye to my son, and I was never going to see him again. Oh my um, god! And and she stopped me uh, as I was, you know, going into the front door, and she said, "What's going on?" I said, "Ah, you know, I'm fine." And, and she knew from the training, like to ask directly, and she she said, "You haven't been yourself lately. What's I've been worried about you, and what's going on?" And I said, "Nothing. I'm just you know, kind of having a rough morning, but I'm fine." And and then she asked me like point blank. She said, "Are you going to kill yourself?" And I was like, "I was like, how the fuck did she just know that?" Wow. And yeah, but she knew, and she knew to ask, and and which is what which is what you do. I mean, that that's you know that's the way you you um, intervene is you know you ask somebody really directly. Are you having them. suicidal thoughts? How? Yeah, is yeah. that the way are, to are say it? Are you going to kill yourself? Are you going to, are you going to, you know, yeah, take your life. Say, you know, the, wow. It, it, the only, now that takes only, courage. That takes courage. I, I feel like it's unbelievable courage, which is, which is just asking that question. Going back to the story of the guy on the bridge, just asking that question is a, a signal of hope. And I care about you. I care enough about you to ask one of the hardest questions that a human can ask another human. <sighs> and, and, and so, so because of that, in most cases, when you ask that question to somebody, they, they answer yes. They, they'll, they'll be honest about it um, because they're so caught off guard and because there's like so much courage behind that question. Um, and so that's what happened. And, and, I, and I said, yes, I am. And, and she said, no, you're actually not. And, you know, not, not today. Um, we're going we're gonna to handle this a different way. Um, oh, my God. And, I love her. Yeah. And I love you. Oh, wow. Oh, and I love you. I can't believe this. I didn't know any of this. And I'm so glad you're here. And I guess I was in your life at that point oh, when no, your you, child you was totally your, yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know you were doing, oh, going nobody, through. Nobody knew now, was, yeah, because I'm, cause, cause we're comics, right? Like no, nobody's better at hiding pain than we are. Like, it, it, is this what we do? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that your neighbor who's 70 also had a lot of intuition too. She just had a, probably a, powerful gut feeling yeah so glad she honored her gut and 
came across the yard. And, and, you know, and so I, I then went through that same training uh, myself and and now I deliver that same training, um, you know, for, for people. And and I've had to use that. I mean, I've, I have been, um, I've been her and, you know, there's people, you know, actually, you know, um, you know, somebody that, you know, (laughs) well, I won't say, but, um, you know, that where, where I interviewed the same way and and it's played out the exact same way. Wow. Yep. I'm about to do it. And, um, (sighs) and I, you know, got in the car, went over there and, you know, um, came home with, you know, the guns and, you know, connected them with, um, got them to the ER and all that stuff. And, um, and it's, I mean, I thought about her that whole time. I was like, wow, cause I'm scared shitless. Um, and like, what if I fuck this up somehow? So, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, she's, she's not with us anymore, but I, um, I think about her all the time. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Can we all get trained in this? Is this like CPR training that people can do? You know what I mean? Like, is this yeah, something yeah, that it, the average person could get trained in this? Yeah. Anybody can get trained. In it, it. And it, it, it is, it, it is like CPR in, in a lot of ways, actually, um, in that, you know, the idea of CPR is not to, you know, you don't have to be a heart surgeon to save somebody who's having a heart attack. That's right. All you have to do is recognize the warning signs, recognize what's happening and connect them with, with care immediately. And, and, and suicide prevention is exactly the same thing. It, it, it's actually kind of, you know, the, the training, you go through it and you're like, wow, that was astonishingly simple. Um, but, you know, it's just about like, Hey, what are the warning signs? How do people, um, uh, you know, telegraph their intentions um, when they think that they're hiding it, but they're not. If you know what to look for, and then and then how do you how do you get them, you know, to somebody who can, you know, just how do you get them to you know convince them to let you call nine eight eight when you're sitting there with them, and you know, and then you don't have to do anything else because they'll quarterback it. They'll they'll tell you where to go and where to take them and everything. Well, um, I'm... but it's really just about the courage to ask that question. Thank you. I'm going to put in the show links, um, maybe there's a website, if you send me a website or, you know what I mean, like uh, where people, yeah, yeah, there sure. might even be a YouTube, because I, I've trained on uh, CPR on YouTube, so maybe there's even a YouTube tutorial or something yeah, like that. There, and, there's all kinds of stuff out there, yeah, great resources um, that where people can get that training in. Yeah, so if we'll put let's put that in there and hey, let's save some lives. Matt, let's how how can yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it directly, indirectly and in and sometimes just in a really silly way. We save lives with our silliness. Uh Yeah. And Matt, uh how can people reach you? What's your website and how do, how do you like to be contacted? People can just like find me on either uh LinkedIn um is usually a good way. Um I am on a uh, social media break, so um, they won't find me on. So, how do you spell your name, Matt? I, uh, Matt Vogel, no E, V O G L. V O G. That's what I have in my phone. I was looking at that, going, I must have. I, I was sure I left out a vowel or something. Yeah. So it's it's, it, it's Matt yeah. Vogel, M A T T V O G L on LinkedIn, yeah. which is where you know what I need to work on my LinkedIn. I think that's uh, where I, the real professionals hate, hang no, out. I hate, I hate <laughs> all of it, but you know, the, the, actually, the best thing. Just email me. It's just mattvogel at gmail.com. Um, okay. And uh, that's always the best way. All right. Well, thank you for taking all this time. And thank you. I, this is I'm so cool. S- I feel so much closer to you now. And I hope that our friendship will pick up the pace a little bit. Maybe we go on a hike, hang out a little bit. 
And yeah, let's not let's let's not push it. <laughs> no, no, I would, I would love <laughs> That's why I love you. All right. <laughs> so I'll see you in another ten years, dude. And <laughs> thank right. have, have have break a leg tonight, have fun. And Thanks. I never can end these. This is where I always have trouble. <laughs> would you have any advice on how to end a podcast? Yeah, just hang up. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. I'd like to thank my guest, Matt Vogel. Go find Matt on LinkedIn at Matt. I don't know how LinkedIn works. Anyway, Matt, M-A-T-T-V-O-G-L. As always, I want to thank my son, Nathaniel Norton, for helping me out with the music and the technology. He's my in-house technical support. And thank you, the listener. Please reach out if you're having any kind of suicidal thoughts and you need support, uh, I guess 988 is the number to call, 988. Do not hesitate. Just dial 988. Get support. Do not do not do it. It is going to get better. I know this from my own experience. Everybody says it. Everybody says it. Everybody that doesn't do it says it gets better. So know that it does. And lots of love. Big hugs. Thanks for tuning in to Traumedy. We have a new episode every Tuesday, Traumedy Tuesdays. And remember, find something to laugh about. No matter what, keep laughing. Traumedy is a higher power production.